This is the Mile High Five podcast with Carl Jensen and Doug Cunnington. We have authentic conversations about the journey to Phi, health, happiness, and some very odd tangents. We interview Phi experts, side hustlers, people on their way to Phi, and those who have reached the other side. Join us every week, and if you want the show notes and links and all that other stuff, head over to milehighfi.com. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to the Mile High Five podcast. My name is Doug Cunnington, and today, Amberly Grant is co-hosting. How are you today? I am great today. It's a Friday morning, afternoon at this point. Yeah. Life is good. It is good. It's sunny out there. It's cold. Yes. The day that we're recording. Today, we're going to... We're going to catch up a little bit. So it's been a few weeks since we recorded last and we're able to sit down and chat with each other. Things have been going on. So there's a couple things we're going to go over. And we have a continuation of the Q&A mailbag from your audience, Amberly. These are exclusively, I think, unless we messed up, these are exclusively real estate questions. So I uh, will be... Largely not helpful for for these questions, but I'll be able to read them. Yeah. And then you'll answer them. That's great. And then maybe you can be like, oh, that sounds terrible. Like, why would you you want this life? Yeah. Good idea. So we'll, yeah, we'll have the yin and yang thing going on here. So before we get into it, let's catch up a little bit. So what's been going on with you? Have you been busy? My life is always busy. You know, like everyone's like, oh, busy shouldn't be a badge. Um, I wear that badge with pride and sometimes with tears. So the other day, I had this crazy thing happen. So I'm a part of, I look on Reddit and on Reddit, there is a thread for Airbnb hosts. And some person posted on like maybe Friday, Saturday, uh, about how there is a corporate midterm rental company that is um, offloading all of their units. And instead of them housing and storing all the furniture in those units and all the things in those units, they're selling them off. So I was like, I don't really need a bunch of stuff. Although like we have a new house and I, you know, I need some nightstands and I probably have like maybe a couple hundred dollars. Like I wanted a toaster, like things I haven't bought. And um, I thought, you know, what? I'll just go check it out there. They said between $1,750 per unit to $2,300, depending on what's in the unit and how many bedrooms. And so I, th- I was like, $2,300, like, I don't really need to spend that much money on things. Like I can go and just like Facebook Marketplace and Goodwill things and it'll be less than that. So fine. All right. Um, I decide that I'm going to fill out the form anyways, because I'm just kind of a yes person. As we already know, don't invite me to things because I will <laughs> say yes. Um, and so I just did it. And then on Monday, they called me. And so he's like, hey, oh, wow. here's the guy from this corporate rental company. My name's Hudson. Um, like, are you interested in the unit? I said, yeah. He's like, why don't you go look at it today? And then you can decide if you want it, then we'll take a deposit from you. And then you have to go clear it out. And it has to all be done by Friday. So great. Uh, I decide... Like, okay, I'll go look at the unit. Never looked at the unit. I was like, whatever. Talk to my partner. 2300 is too much. We're not going to do it. This guy Hudson calls me the next day or texts me. He goes, hey, Amberly, from a turn of events, that unit that you were going to look at is still available. Are you interested? And I go like, hey, you know what? If you're willing to do a concession on price, then I'm willing to like get it out by Friday. So I say, hey, will you do it for $1,200 instead of 2300 And then he calls me like within two minutes. And he goes, I'm going to do you one better. If you can get everything out by tomorrow... <laughs> this is so this is Tuesday. So Wednesday afternoon, really? if you can get everything up by tomorrow, I'll give you two for a thousand bucks. Wow. So then I look at my partner. I'm like, this is at four o'clock in the afternoon. I'm like, find a fucking U-Haul. We're what? going to get this unit. <laughs> so thousand dollars. I pay the invoice because they send you an invoice. Yeah. I'm like, if this is a scam, I paid on the credit card. So at least I can get my money back. We're yeah. good. Um, 
And so I ended up renting a U-Haul within an hour, a 20-foot U-Haul, <laughs> calling one of my tenants and being like, hey, I'll pay you $20 an hour, including travel time, if you meet us at this unit to help move all this furniture. He's like, yep, in. Uh, he ended up getting a free TV out of it because uh, there was three TVs in this unit. And like what, you can sell what? a TV for a hundred bucks. Yeah. You know, on Facebook, it's like not worth it. Like giving a free TV to someone is like really exciting. So he took a free TV. Uh, he also got a lamp. He broke one. But anyways, um, we show up at the unit. It's the most high end. So first of all, it's a two king bed unit and you have to take everything in it. So it's everything in the bathroom, two bedrooms, the other bathroom, the living room and everything in the kitchen. And it's fully furnished. Wow. So like for a thousand dollars, I have two like any I can just sell the king beds and the bed frames for a thousand bucks on Facebook Marketplace and recoup all my money. So, yeah. So I've got four nightstands. Wow couch side tables lamps all the dishware so we don't have matching cutlery and it's literally been our thing of like when we're rich one day like we're gonna find <laughs> we're gonna buy cutlery that matches and so now we have matching cutlery i've been wanting a toaster but i didn't want to spend the 30 dollars on a toaster so i haven't bought a toaster i wanted a new mop because like i've got like one of those like sweet like ones that like squeeze and they're yeah. just terrible I wanted one that like was just kind of easy for like these uh, laminate floors I have and got them. And I was looking at Bed Bath & Beyond the other day because they're like a lot of their stores are closing. And I was like, I don't want to spend like $40 on a, a mop, even on sale. A trash can. I have one of those plastic shitty trash cans I've had for years. And it's like kind of like darker, you know, from just like food being i've wiped it down a million times, whatever. Now I have a stainless steel like side by side recycling end. Wow. It's amazing. Like, these are all these, like, the smallest things. This isn't even, like, the couch that was nice. It's all commercial furniture, so it's all, like, really sturdy, like, great cushions. Wow. Anyways, 1000 bucks for this entire unit. And we, like, knocked it out in, like, three hours. My baby, who, like, came in the car <laughs> with, like, this poor child. I don't know what family he signed up to be in, but whatever. Um, uh, he's, like, sleeping in the room the entire time because of his bedtime. And like, oh. we were hoping that he could sleep, you know? And so like, it's like, we're just like moving him from one king room to the other king room, just depending on what we need to work on. And then, yeah. So yeah, wow. we, we did it from like 5 p.m. We left to go get the, tr no, like 5.45 maybe we left to get the truck. Got there at like seven, because it was in Broomfield. Loaded the truck, it took three hours. Uh, ended at like, so by the time like my tenant came over, it was like 7.45, we started ended everything at 10.30. We left the unit at 11 o'clock, had to send a bunch of pictures to make sure everything was gone. Um, and there was a snowstorm the next day, so it was really important to get everything out. And then unloaded this two-bedroom apartment into our garage. So we had to organize a garage. Yeah. yeah. Damn. And so you did it all that night? Yeah. Uh, we didn't unload that night. We okay. left it in the U-Haul. And okay. then we actually called U-Haul, and they, let, they were telling us because of the storm, we could extend it maybe by a little bit. So we actually got it extended like 12 hours so okay. we had to return it at one o'clock not six that's insane yeah i was just thinking number one i usually go to bed at like 8 30 yeah. or something like that so yeah. just imagining like doing all that stuff yeah i mean packing up an entire two-bedroom apartment <laughs> that you weren't planning on no, no. you know i like manage my energy for the full day yes. you know so like by then i'm like oh, I, I can't do anything after yeah. like six or so we were exhausted yeah oh my gosh but what a deal. That's insane. Yeah. And I was doing the math and I was like, it was it the day before the snowstorm. So yeah. I guess, um, I wonder, I'm curious the story of like why they were like, we got to get this shit out of here as soon as possible. I yeah. guess 
I don't know. I, I, yeah, my yeah. assumption is their leases have yeah. ended. Um, I don't know if they were doing like the Airbnb arbitrage. Obviously, they were where they like rent a unit and then like rent out that room and the, that unit um, for corporate rentals is what they were saying. Right. And I mean, it was all across the country. They were liquidating everything. Damn. Yeah. And so they said that each unit, like the original price of the unit would be um, three to like five times more as what they originally bought it for. So that $2,300. So that unit's worth at least $10,000 yeah. of, of stuff. And it was wow. like in pristine condition. I mean, like it's a white couch with zero stains on it. I don't know how many, t- they said everything had been bought within four to 20 months. Wow. And this is clearly like bought within the past year. Yeah. And I, I haven't, I guess I haven't been put up in a corporate place, but I had some friends that were on long-term projects back in the day. And I mean, they have a per diem typically. They're eating out all the time. Yes. And they're probably not really using the kitchen too much. And they're not sitting around. They're like going, doing stuff or working the whole time. Exactly. Yeah. They're working or exploring or going out to eat, like you said. And I mean, the kitchen was, yeah, again, everything was pristine. The glasses were awesome. I just could not believe, I thought it would be I didn't know what it would be like. And I actually went back to the thread after I said yes to see if like anyone had written on it because it was like empty. And one person had been like, yeah, I got it in Baltimore. It's really high quality stuff. So I was like, all right, I guess like this is going to be good. Gotcha. Yeah. Very cool. And it's all in your garage right now. Do you have a spot for the stuff? Yeah. So we have a two and a half car garage. And so thankfully they're like, we have a bunch of stuff from our, our move. We haven't put into our house yet because we're still working on everything in the house. Um, so we organized that first. We, my partner organized that first, thankfully. Uh, and then we unloaded everything together from the truck and put some of the stuff inside the house. So like our, our living room area is just filled with things right now. Um, <laughs> and then I have friends who are coming up who I've already have friends who are dibsing things to buy from me. Okay. Um, so perfect. That's awesome. Very cool. All right. And anything else with it? Should we move on to next, the next topic? No, I'm just like, like, this is my life. It's like, I have such like cool, weird shit that happens and it happens because I just say yes. So like, <laughs> I don't know, go watch that movie. Yes, man, guys. And get, get out there. So a callback to one of our other episodes was my whole life, life insurance policy. Yeah. So to recap people, I got some bad investing advice when I was like 24, 25. I got a whole life policy. You could check out the episode to hear a little bit more of the story, but it's kind of been on my list to like maybe close the account, maybe not. I don't really know. I haven't looked at it. I was still paying like $156 per month into it for the last you know, 20 or I guess 18 years. Yeah. So 18 years. And I chatted with you and you, we, we actually logged onto my account. You looked at a couple things and basically you were like, yeah, you can close it. It looks like maybe you'll you know break even, maybe you'll lose a little money, but yeah. you're out. So after a couple of days, I... Actually, I looked to see if I could call the whoever is like managing my account, the people earning commissions over the last many years. And I looked and I tried to call in and it was like, leave a message. And I was like, fuck that. I hated those guys. I won't use the name of the company, but it's kind of like Southeastern Mutual. Yeah. Super similar to that. And yeah, I hated those guys. This is entertainment. This is not financial advice. Yeah. And 
it's just a story yeah. that I'm telling you. So instead of calling them, I called the corporate group and I was like, close account. I ended up in their, I guess, customer retention group because they know I'm trying to pull my money out. And it was pretty smooth, mostly. I was like, I want to do this. They said, there's a form you have to sign, a couple other things, but they do have a speech to try to retain you. Got it. Luckily, now I have like ice water running through my veins or whatever. So they were like, well, if you close it, you are not earning interest. And this is an investment in like, you're losing money by not continuing to pay into it. And they go through a couple other things, but basically they're trying to play on like the loss aversion, um, cognitive bias. So a couple other things related to that. And I like let her do her thing. I came back with basically this, it doesn't matter. I'm going to close it regardless. Um, That was a really good speech that you gave. Uh, But then I- You were not swayed by this speech. Yeah, I was like, that's very good. They were like, did you talk to your agents? And I was like, no, I actually don't want to talk to them. I got really bad advice from them. And I was the thing that got her, I think, is when I said, I've been managing my own money and I've been outperforming the investment the whole time. I don't need life insurance and I don't want life insurance. Yeah. So if you're telling me it's an investment, I'm doing better. So I don't have any interest in keeping the account open. Yeah. And then she said, well, I, she was silent for like, 20 seconds. That's another thing I've gotten good at. Yes. Staying silent. People are silent. Yeah. yeah. It's great. Yeah. For negotiations. Yes. Like, shut the fuck up. Uh-huh. Like people will talk themselves in, into trouble or whatever. But she was silent for a while and said, I don't really know how to respond to that. And I was like, I don't expect you to. And I was like, send me the paper. I'll sign it. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So I got 30K back. Um, I think looking at the investment, unless I messed it up in my crude calculations. I think I earned about 4%. Yeah. Um, so it wasn't like a complete loss. There there are some gains, right? About 4%. So I was going to have to pay taxes on that, yeah. which was expected, but obviously that's better than like continuing to invest in something that's shitty. Yes. So, so I got the 30K back and it took about a week. That's awesome. Are you going to refinish your basement? No immediate plans. Excellent. Um, Good job. But with a windfall, you don't want to have any, you know, you don't want to like jump into something. Right. However, that leads me to a couple other stories. So when I I thought I was actually going to get an infrared sauna, which I I love sauna and we were going to put one down here and like do some wiring in the basement, blah, blah, blah. But one side story is my free gym at the old apartment that I've been quietly walking into my friend uh she's like the general manager she was like i'm being transferred i'm moving like i don't know if you're going to be able to get in i have no clue they're supposed to staff it but i I don't know i'll be in and out of here but just wanted to give you a heads up so my free gym might be going away the reason why it's relevant is the rec center is right over here which we've talked about before um apparently our uh significant others saw each other John saw yes, Elizabeth, Elizabeth and she didn't recognize him at first no. because his his hair was pulled back, right? So, right. 
<laughs> so she was like, I, I didn't recognize him, but he looks so nice and friendly. <laughs> <laughs> he is Canadian. Yeah. So anyway, it all ties together. Um, I was going to use some of the money to buy a sauna, yeah. but if I eventually have to go join the rec center, there's a great sauna there. Have yes. you checked that one out? I haven't yet because I'm on baby duty yeah, and like yeah. we switch off, right? So I cannot wait to go alone so I can go to the saunas. Got it. It's it's great. Yeah. So I even got Elizabeth into it a little bit. So pretty nice down there. And I've I've used like a punch pass. So yeah. actually when I did the math, right? So a sauna is going to cost like a few thousand bucks. Mm-hmm. I can get like a, uh, it's like a 20 card pass for like a hundred dollars or something like that. I could be off a little bit, but basically I can go use the gym occasionally. Yeah. And in the long run, I mean, I would have to like use the sauna continuously every day for many, many years mm-hmm. for it to actually be cheaper to buy a sauna. And that one's always hot at the yeah. gym. Here, I would have to heat it up yeah. and blah, blah, blah. So looking at the convenience versus like a slight difference in cost and like long-term investment versus like one-time use, yeah. the rec center is awesome. It's so close. Yes. So, And you can do like the couples pass, which is like $712. So if you're looking at it, that's what, right. $355 for just your portion of it yep. for the year. And you can go as often as you want. Right. So then that's great. The one thing you have to think is like, you know, you do have to go to the, the rec center versus walking downstairs. Right. But you work out anyways, so it's fine. Yeah. And you have time. And it's, um, I mean, it's so close. Like it's actually, the rec center is actually closer than the apartments. Right. From, from here. Perfect. I live in a really like good yeah. spot. Yeah. And you have like Costco about to come in. Oh, yeah. you're lucky. Lucky so, duck. Yeah. The... The other thing, and I'll tell it faster so we can answer these other questions. So part of the money is going to go to some healthcare costs that I incurred. So I didn't tell the full story when you and I were together, but I told it on one recent episode to Carl. So I I passed out in, on New Year's Eve and yeah. bumped my head, smashed my tooth. My tooth is turning black. My beautiful smile is now tarnished. So I got the ER bill. Do you want to guess how much it is? Did I already tell you? No, you haven't. So okay. I'll guess. Um, like health insurance? Yeah, health yeah. insurance. And I'll, I could tell you the like before and then what I have to cover. Right, right, right. Okay, so I'm going to say before $32,000. And then what you have to cover is, I don't know, based on your deductible. So like, yeah. let's say like four grand. Okay. So luckily it wasn't that much. Okay. <laughs> Well, I was thinking maybe like fifteen hundred, two thousand. But oh, oh, here's wow. here's that's that's what I was thinking. But um, we before insurance, it was supposedly like for the just the ER visit. Yeah. So actually, I'll break it down. There's an ER portion. There's the ER doctor. Yeah. There's a radiologist. So I had a EKG and a CT scan. Yeah. And maybe one other doctor thrown in there too. Does that include the stitching up? Um, yeah. So they, it, it does. They did actually didn't have to stitch it. Oh, okay. Right. They just um, like cleaned it off really yeah, okay, good. Okay. Um, so just the ER was 6,700. Okay. Insurance covered 3,700. Mm-hmm. And we have a deductible of 3,000. So we had a high deductible plan funny thing the we upgraded our insurance for this year and uh, the very next day just eight hours later it would have been 250 bucks that would have been it it. i know 
Yeah. Right. <laughs> it's New Year's Eve. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, totally, totally sucked. Yeah. But uh, then there's a couple other um, bills coming in, 20 bucks here, 20 bucks there. I think those are a few hundred dollars each, but insurance covered a decent chunk. There's one more bill that should come in, which I have no clue like how much that'll be. I think it'll be from the radiologist maybe. Oh, okay, yeah. So. And they make good money, so. <laughs> yeah, and they just looked at it and they were like, yeah, he didn't die. He's not bleeding from his head. Yeah. And they looked at it the next day too. Like I'm getting bills for the next day. Yeah. Um. So that's one portion. The other part, so I went to the dentist. I didn't get an estimate yet, mm-hmm. but eventually I'll have to get a root canal. I will get, um, again, my, t- my tooth is turning like, yeah. Black or gray or whatever. Yeah. Um, and it's my front tooth. So I will get that fixed. Yes. I was like, oh, I'll, I'll leave it for a bit. But I was like, oh, fuck it. I'm going to yeah. get that fixed. So I'll get a root canal, get a whatever veneer or cap or whatever. I don't know what they call it. Yeah. Um, I haven't got the estimate for that yet. And I'll probably today I'll check with the, uh, I was about to say vet, right. <laughs> but the dentist. <laughs> yeah. I'm actually going to get it cheaper. I'm going to go to my, my dog's vet and it's going to be super sharp, but it's going to be like half the cost. Yeah. Yank it. <laughs> so I'll get, I think it's, a, it'll be like 3000 bucks though. Yeah, I think so. So I seem to overestimate. So I'm going to go over like 10. No, three. Yeah. I think three. Yeah. Three. So a chunk of the money will go for that. Yeah. And then the final piece of my, uh, the things that I've been up to, it's all related to money though. So yeah. I usually don't have money stories. I maxed out my four, my solo 401k. So there have been some episodes where I'm like, I'm not contributing because it doesn't make sense for us to like, we're trying to distribute money to, you know, uh, a Roth or, uh, solo or yeah, the solo 401k and yeah. then the taxable brokerage account. So we have options. Everything's not based on like maximal tax benefits. Yeah. So, so we're, we're trying to spread it around, but this past year was a good time to, to max it out. And with the little extra money, again, going back to some topics we've talked about in the past, tax laws are really weird. So I can contribute to my solo 401k until I file taxes the next year, yes. like to, you know, April 15th or whenever I file. Yeah. So I had some money and I was like, market's down. It's a good time to throw it in. And for people that don't know, like with the solo 401k, you contribute as the employee, mm-hmm. which has the normal limit. 2022 is $20,500. So mm-hmm. I maxed that out. But you could also contribute as the employer. Yes which is, um, I think you contribute, you can contribute 25% of the salary that you're paid. Uh So I pay myself, whatever, say like 80K or something like that. It has to be like competitive. You can't like lowball too much. Yes. But I was able to put in, say like another 20K. So I put in almost 40K into my solo 401K this year while the market's down. So it was like great time to do it in a couple of years. That'll be a smart decision. Yep. You'll be patting yourself on the back. Yeah. Good job, old Doug. Yeah. Any thoughts? This is all really good updates. And it's nice getting a windfall like this. You've been kind of having this like forced savings account that you actually recouped, had a little bit of a, you know, um, additional money on 4%. And now you get to do something with it, which is going to be great for your future. So I think this is a really good outcome for having this account for 18 years. Yeah. Yeah. Good job. 
Thank you. Yeah. And thanks for pushing me a little bit and just talking about it and then like slight accountability with other people hearing about it. Yeah. So, okay. Ready to hit the real estate questions here? Let's do this. Okay. Thanks everyone who sent these in. This one is from JM, I believe. I could. Yeah. I might guess. Jonathan. Mm -hmm. Okay. Jonathan says, if and how did you decide on the right number of rental properties to own and what are the primary factors? Okay, so one of the ways you can figure out what's the best number of properties is actually go by how much your properties are making. So if you have a goal for passive, it's not passive, IRS passive income, um, you can keep buying houses until you hit that. So some people, it's $10,000 they want every single month of net income from the property. Uh, And so you literally just keep buying houses until you hit that. You could also just say, I only want a handful of houses because I don't want the responsibility of 10 or 15 houses to get to that $10,000. So I just want a little bit of extra money and equity later on that Mm -hmm. I can cash out. So for me, how I decided was um, I like didn't really make a conscious choice, but I love the idea of having two properties like, and then like slowly getting them, um, every couple of years. So for me, it's kind of like a timeline thing. Like every two years, I probably buy a property. Um, my properties make way and above and beyond what normal just two properties make. Um, so when it comes to cash flow, like I feel totally comfortable with what I've got. And um, yeah, so I would say those are the three ways you can make the decision is do you, how much cash flow, cash flow do you want today? How many houses do you maybe just want to own in general for future equity and and things like that? Yeah. It becomes easy, though. So you keep buying more than you really need. Okay. Is there some point, you you hear this with maybe like management or like, maybe it's like network theory or something. So is there a point, maybe if you get three houses, like it's easily managed, but when you hit over three up to nine, then the scope of work changes. And then when you hit, um, I don't know. Yeah. 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 So like, is there something like that where there's a good economy of scale? And then if you go beyond that, all of a sudden, like you're way too busy and you need to bring on a property manager. Yeah. That's, um, that's a good point. So I think it depends, right? What is your day job? How are you good at like, do you want to be a landlord, right? That's, that's a question I always ask anyone when you come into rental properties, do you even want to be a landlord? Because it's a big job and you're constantly dealing with people and their problems and problems of your house. So I know someone who scaled up to like 30 houses in a year, but they just did turnkey. Like they have property management, the person who's fixing it up and they just buy the house, do that, move on. That's how you can scale big quickly is getting a team. If you want to do it yourself so you capture more of the money, but then you have the stresses of it like I do, but you can't scale as quickly because you have to manage everything, then you can do it one by one every couple of years. Um, One thing to your point was, um, what is the number? It depends, right? Because if you hit that 10,000, say you want $10,000 a month, well, then you quit your job and now you're a full-time manager of your properties. Or you offload some of that and that's part of that cost to a property manager. And so you need more properties to hit that $10,000, but you're less Mm hands-on. I do find just FYI for people, Managing a property manager is a job, (laughs) right? Yeah. Yep. Next part, part of the aversion to building up a real, uh, a rental property portfolio is time, effort, and inevitable stress. What are some hacks and time savers for owning that many property rentals? Man, I really messed up the cadence there. I'm going to jump in before you, you answer this one. So it's okay to not 
do rental property or real estate. So I'm not a real estate person and it's a great way to, you know, leverage your money, build up equity, have cash flow. There's a lot of pros, but all the things that you mentioned are great reasons not to do it. So you don't have to, you can invest in whatever you want. Uh, not whole life policies I recommend, but I would say like index funds are pretty good. Your overall return might not be as great, but you don't have to deal with all the bullshit of real estate of which some people love real estate agents, brokers, the whole uh, crew. I, I don't like them that much. I don't trust them. They're salespeople. I hate them all. <sighs> not enough people say that, especially in this community. Everyone loves them too. <laughs> real estate. Yeah. Come on. They're like used car salesmen. Like agents? Yeah. Like they literally have a perverse incentive. Like their incentive is like based on the amount of your house. And most of them, like, I'm sorry, a lot of the real estate agents I know should should not be real estate agents. Like they just, could you like not find another job? Or like, I think it's just like you have to take a test and then you're this, you're this person. Yeah. Like yeah, I yeah. can't stand them. So, so anyway, I have a bit of a, an aversion. So it's okay if you don't do real estate, but if you do decide that you want to do real estate, what are some uh, strategies? Yeah. I feel bad that I said I hate them. Okay. I don't, <laughs> I don't hate all of you. It's just, I find a lot of you just suck. Um, so yeah, part of your aversion. Again, first question, do you want to be a landlord? Like, why are you doing this? Are you doing this because everyone says to do this or is it something you want to do? I know a lot of very wealthy people who own one single family home. That's their home that they live in. Like they don't have a bunch of real estate and properties. So you have to decide if that's something that you want to pursue. Um, what are some time savers and some hacks? Um, well, honestly, finding a team. I think that's the biggest thing that you can do. You're going to pay for it though. So the problem I have is things break in my property. So right now I have a broken dryer and I have, I've had a broken dryer, microwave. I've, I've had handymen come out and charge $650 to fix all these things. And literally they're still broken when they leave. And I'll be like, well, it's still broken. And they'll be like, well, it's another $75 for me to come out. And I'm like, but you never fix the fucking thing. And then, yeah. And like finding a team can be really difficult. So um, I would say that's like my biggest hack would be, finding people you can trust who you can pay well to do the jobs um, or live right beside them so you can do them so that when you have time to like actually leave your real work, uh, you can go work on those properties and, you know, get a membership to YouTube so you don't have commercials while you're trying to fix yeah. a dryer. Okay. Let's uh, do some quick hitters here. Okay. If you could have a do-over with something related to your real estate journey, what would it be? So this could be related to processes, finance, taxes, insurance, or anything. Great question. Um, I don't like. I don't know. Everything's a learning process. So I guess the question is: Is now that I've learned something, what would I do differently? Um, I would. I would have found a real estate agent in the very well, the first time I bought my house. Um, I thought the real estate agent was like seasoned but he'd never even heard of a house hack and like this was before house hack term was really popular this is uh years ago and i just knew that i wanted to have like an income producing property so i didn't have to pay my mortgage and i should have found someone who does that type of real estate who actually owned a property this guy didn't even own a property he's still renting um and is still renting today so 
um, that's what I would have done is found a real estate agent who actually does what I wanted to do so I could have learned differently and I didn't have to learn on the go as much as I did because he messed up a lot of things. Um, ended up overpaying for that property, whatever. Everyone thinks that's the case. I feel like I overpaid for the property I just bought in September as well. It, I did. It's fine. You recover, um, whatever. So I feel like those things are like, yeah, I'd pay less for the properties I own, but I don't know if I would have gotten them then, like mm-hmm. to have lowballed them at that time. Um, taxes, get a CPA. It's amazing. Then you can have someone who does your taxes and you don't have to think about what the nuances of the law are. Um, I think I would change actually. Yeah, this is great. I would have kept track. I did huge renovations last year to all my Airbnbs to a rental property. And I did not keep track of one single thing for the entire year. It took me six months to do my fucking taxes last year. Like literally, like I spent probably a good like 60 hours trying to figure out every single receipt and charge on my credit card and Venmo and all this stuff. And I would have kept track of that better. Highly recommend that. Do you not have a separate credit card? No. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> I still need to separate all my business stuff and my personal stuff. I have like a business account, but not a yeah, business. Yeah. And I've like, like wanting to do like the chasing because then I was like, oh, I, I need to get, yeah, yeah, like, and I like get the spend bonus and stuff. I just like, I just haven't done it. It's so easy. They want to give you a credit card. I know. Um, it, okay. So that would be one big thing. So I have a business, but yeah, like from the beginning, yes. I think it was only like a couple months that I had like co-mingled accounts, but I had a separate credit card, which was just a personal credit card that I wasn't using often. Yeah. So everything was very easy to extract. Yeah. Good I for could you, just Doug. pull a report. So that would be a huge thing because exactly what you described. You don't know until no. you run through it and then- like yeah. it's like second nature now. Yeah. Um, but anyway. Yeah, I I still need to do it. It's on my to-do list. I'll like write it down again. Um, and yeah, it it makes things so much easier. And I'm sure I I miss things, right? Like that's the thing is I probably missed a bunch of transactions that I would have lowered my tax bill and I didn't get them. So Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Anything else on that? No. What's the best or most important advice you'd have for someone just getting started in their real estate journey? Just do it. So many people like run the numbers and try and what happens if global warming and I need to find something in Minnesota because they have lakes. Who who <laughs> fucking cares? Just do it. Go buy a house. All right. <laughs> Perfect. What or sorry, where is the best place to obtain an application for all your future tenants? The these seem or there's so many options that I'm not sure what's best. There's bigger pockets, apartment.com, an attorney, pre-made, chat GPT, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Totally. So, okay, I'm going to suggest two things to do here. One, get one online. You can do like bigger pockets, like apartment.com, doesn't matter. The rental application doesn't matter as much as your lease. So if you're putting time and attention to a rep- rental application, this is that like you're overthinking something so you don't actually have to make a change or do something. The rental application is literally you just want their information. You want access to their social security so you can run a, a credit check. So you know you need a signature on there. You need to have um, you know who's going to be renting. What's their first and last name? How many people do they have? Pets? Uh, what is their you know making sure that they attach some sort of uh, income statement so that you can see how much they make. The application is nothing. It's the lease that you want to do because that's your protection. Okay. Perfect. Did you use any creative strategies when buying properties? Mm -hmm. If so, how did you set those up? And was it using a bank as a lender for each property? Blah, blah, blah. So you can see it. Um, when it comes to financing, there's all different ways of doing like quote unquote creative financing, right? So you can do like, um, a traditional bank, 
using a broker so they can find the best deal between different banks and institutions who are going to give you uh, the money for your property. You can do hard money loans. So those everything has a, an up and down. Hard money loans are going to come with a very high interest rate and a really quick payback period. Um, so you want to use those sparingly or, or have a plan if you're going to use that. You can use personal like friends and family money. So I have a friend right now who's buying an investment property. She's using $400,000. So 200 of two different friends of ours um, to buy this property and then getting an interest only loan for one year and then we'll pay them back uh, You know, once they kind of technically refinance at that point. So we'll be financing it for the first time. So there's ways of doing it that way. Um, more than likely, you don't have friends who are going to invest $200,000 into your property. Because first of all, if this is your first property, I don't know if you can run a property. Like I would not give you a dime until I know that you can actually make a return on your property. So that's like future down the line. Um, what you're more than likely going to do for your first property is just literally take your W-2 income. What is your debt to income ratio? Work with a bank or some sort of broker, lender, uh, and then you know get the best interest rate based on your credit score and just buy your first property. For me, after I bought my first property, I had equity in that property. So then I used a HELOC, a home equity line of credit that I had to help p- purchase my second property. The thing with a home equity line of credit is a variable interest rate. So with this environment right now, my interest rate went from 3.5% to is now at 8% for this HELOC. Thankfully, I had I saw the writing on the wall, so I paid the $40,000 off early last year um, when interest rates were starting to rise. And I was like, I'm not paying this. Um, so, you know, the home equity line of credit is going to be variable. So you're not going to be able to really understand what your expenses are in the future. Um, so that was my most creative financing was that I did have people offer me money by the second property because they could see that I could run mm-hmm. really good numbers uh, for what I buy. And so I had people offering me $10,000, like four different people if I needed oh, really? it. Mm. Oh, wow. Yeah. Interesting. So have you found a property management software of choice or have you, or in the past, it's like I can't read, good Lord. Or in the past, if you've already switched to using property management. Yeah. So I, I manage all my properties myself. Um, so first of all, I don't use a property manager. I do have experience with a couple property managers cause I just like friends ask me questions. Um, there are good ones or bad ones. Fine. But have I found a property management software of choice? No, because I am terrible at keeping my finances for my business and my personal finances <laughs> separate. Um, so I have heard really good things about avail. Um, I don't know, like there's different ones out there have different needs because do you have one property, two properties, three, that's different types of software. So I guess I can't really give any advice when it comes to software. I've just heard of Avail. Okay. I will say this actually. Zillow has an awesome platform now that if you put your rental on there, they can do the rental application. They can also do a lease for you. I wouldn't do a lease from anywhere online if you haven't had a lawyer check it off, check mm-hmm. it over because you want to make sure you're protected and every state and city is different with their laws. But um, there are like, Zillow is doing really cool things when it comes to managing your property. What about maintenance requests and and tracking and responding? Thanks for the text message, tenants. That's how I get them. (laughs) So yeah, someone tells me what's going on. Um, I tell them like, hey, great. We'll get to it this day or this time. So I just had a dishwasher go. Like it's been on the 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 fritz, I guess, for a while. So they told me, hey, Amberly, it's you know, it's not really working the best. I ask what's going on with it. Um, they tell me, and then uh, I f- try and found a re- like a replacement motor, but the motor was like three hundred and fifty dollars. So I ended up just buying a brand new dishwasher and installing that. Same thing with the dryer. Did 
another place. It wasn't starting. It was like intermittent starting. So I was mm. like, mm, that sounds like the starter in general. So we went over, checked it. Turns out, yeah, it was just getting stuck at the back. And so we were like, hey, I'll get it to you by next week. And then for me, maintenance is dependent on what the thing is. If it's a flood, I'm there right away. If it's a dryer, like I literally was like, hey, the railing upstairs is a great place to dry your clothes for the next week till I can get there on the weekend. Got it. Yeah. What about animals? Do you allow animals on property? God, no. Um, so there are laws. You have to let, um, not an emotional support animal. People think that there's emotional support animals protected by law, but not in Colorado. Thank God. Um, but the, um, support, uh, ESA, is it not emotional support animal? It's like um, a service. Service animal. Has, you have to allow that on your property. Right. And that's great because they're normally very well behaved and, um, that's fine. So animals, I never allow cats. Cats pee and mark territory, especially mm. vents. They love to pee mm. in the vents. Um, I have cleaned up a property who allowed two cats and a dog and you will get scratch marks everywhere. It's just, I prefer yeah. not. Um, if I do, I will charge a monthly fee. So, okay, I did go against what I said where I did have a cat and two dogs at my property because I really loved my tenant and I let him do that and keep his dog and then he had a friend who had a dog and i was like all right i trust you all it worked out well um but i do charge an initial fee so every city is different with what you can charge there's i in, i had a pet fee so it's like 150 dollars for a cat 200 dollars for a dog they don't get that back i don't do a monthly rent for the pets you can do it that way as well and then deposit for animals um you can do a separate deposit for animals but i actually just do it all in one deposit because then you don't have a certain limit on what you can take from this bucket versus that bucket. I just take it all from one bucket. Got it. Mm -hmm. Okay. Any favorite real estate investing book that you would recommend? Yes. If it's your very first time, Mindy Jensen and Scott Trench have a book. Uh, I'm trying to think what it's called right now. I haven't read it, but I've given it to my mentees. So the people who are part of my mentorship program and they think it's funny and informative, and it's a really great real estate book. Um, I can't remember what it's called. It's got like a little keys on the front. We'll link up to it. Yeah, please do. I think that's great for first-time investors. All right. Last question here. What kind of investing for real estate are you currently involved in, and why did you get started in each one of those? And they gave some some options like long-term, short-term, storage units, et cetera. Yeah. So right now I do long-term, short-term hybrids. Um, so my places are duplexes and they have the same address. So I can legally have a short-term rental on the bottom and a long-term rental on top. My long-term renters, the whole reason I do this is they actually get to make a lot of their rent back by cleaning my short-term rentals. So I give them a totally amazing wage for a 35 minute cleaning you know they do deep cleans from here from time to time uh so they make uh honestly sometimes half their wow. rent in cleanings a month and it takes them no time so i love that like long-term short-term hybrid uh i always buy properties that have dual income so if something gets prob like something happens i still can rely on something else on the property making something so with the short-term rental though that's like a, i call it like the cash cow which also means that it might not be available forever which it isn't um so from there i'll go to midterm rentals so those are nurse rentals uh those i find a, a little bit you make less money than a short term they're you don't have to manage them as often but you also have gaps between because they're normally three month like things so you normally have like 
a week or two in between the next one. So I find your vacancies are really high when it comes to the midterm rentals, um, but they they still make better money than a long-term. And then my last thing is a long-term rental. If, you know, midterm market's going to shit, short-term market's going to shit, then I just get a long-term renter in there. Um, storage units, I do not do. I have a moral thing with storage units. Mm-hmm. So many people love it. It's really good money, I hear. Um, I just picked up a U-Haul two days ago, as I mentioned. Um, and there was a short-term, or there was a, a storage unit. I don't think people need that much shit to store. And I have a problem with storage unit things. I get it if you're in a city and you're really like in a one-bedroom apartment. I had a friend who had a storage unit that was like near the city where he could like keep his skis and things. Like mm-hmm. I'm really down for that. But I find them really predatory and like you don't know the fees. I had a friend who had a storage unit and it's like I guess her credit card had expired and she was in Australia. She didn't realize it. They never contacted her. They sold off her unit when she came to town. What? Had everything she had. Like she wasn't in contact with her parents. So it was like her grandmother's jewelry that her grandma had given her was what? all in the storage unit and it was gone. And they're like, we tried to contact you. And she's like, I have no emails. I have no messages. You never tried to contact me. And they're like, well, it's gone. And they've Damn. done like a storage wars, right? Where they like, you yeah. just bit it. and That's nuts. Yeah. And so I just like, I don't know, morally, I just... I just like, I have a problem with it. Yeah, yeah. What do you, what do you think about storage units? I, I think I also have a little problem with it. Not exactly maybe as strong as you mentioned, but yeah, like people, I, I didn't realize the predatory um, practices, but it kind of makes, it makes some sense. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I would, it sounds, I mean, it does sound pretty profitable, but yeah. I think of like our nice, you know, they're, they're building them all over the fucking place. So I think of like the nice mountain views that we can have, except for the storage units that are air controlled and whatever the fuck uh, right there. And they're all over the place. Again, I could appreciate like if you're in a city, like we had a storage unit when we were doing some traveling and we sold our place, like we put everything in there and like, that's what we needed at the time. Yeah. Other times we lived in smaller places where we like, we actually needed to overflow some of our, I have like some hobbies that take up some space, like Mm -hmm. brewing equipment. So I would like keep stuff there because it wouldn't fit in the apartment that we were in in Atlanta. Yeah. And like, that's where I guess, I feel like I have some, some, that I, I agree with, right? Like having it for a short-term reason, but more often than not, it's it's because people just don't want to do the work to get rid of the sentimental things that they have in their life. And so then their storage unit ends up costing more than all the items inside of it. And that's the problem, right? Is that yeah. it, it lets people hold on to things that they really should just get rid of. Yep. And it eventually, actually during the move, I got rid of a lot of stuff because yeah. I, w- I was like, ah, I may be able to use that in the future, mm-hmm. which is like what I always would do. Yeah. But then I realized it's actually cheaper to like donate that or sell it yeah. and then buy a new one if I need one, which yeah. I probably won't right. realize that I need the whatever. I, I don't know. I can't think of anything. But And I'm actually in this dilemma because I have a two and a half car, gra- uh, car garage. I have the ability to store things myself, right? And so I have my own storage unit. And I noticed with this big getting two and a half bedroom or two bedroom sets, I was like, well, maybe I should keep this really nice king bed um, bed frame. It's like beautiful, yeah. tufted, like, you know, uh, whatever um, fabric for this king bed. And I was like, I should keep it for like our next house. And then I literally, I had this epiphany <laughs> in the shower. I'm like shampooing my hair. And I was like, Amberly, 
this is like you're hoarding. That's that scarcity <laughs> mindset yeah, yeah. I have from my childhood of like, but if I hold on to the nice things, then maybe I can use them one day and like I won't have to buy them and make that choice. And I was like, you know, what if I just let it go? What if I just for whatever it will, I'll, I'll make the $400 for that ni- really nice bed frame that would cost me like $800 or $1,000 to rebuy later in the future. But that $400 can go towards something now and I don't have to keep track of that item. So I'm actually trying to practice this scarcity, like letting go of the scarcity mindset for yep. this new crazy amount of furniture I have in my house and get rid of it all. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Very good. All right. I think we hit all of the questions. Did we miss anything, Amberly? Did we no, touch them all? We got them all. Great questions, guys. Again, this is awesome. And I'm hoping that we give you a little bit of perspective. Um, I am not an expert. I'm just someone who has uh, stumbled my way through this and have learned a lot of great lessons. And I have really smart people around me that I've learned from. Thanks for your help. And thanks for getting all the great questions. So yeah. I guess we don't have uh, anything scheduled yet, but... We'll have you back on soon and we're at the time limit today. So we got a jet. So thanks, Amberly. Where can people find you? Amberlygrant.com and Instagram, Amberly Grant, and all the other things are Amberly Grant. My name's uh, pretty unique, so it's kind of easy to find all the at symbols for me. Perfect. We'll link up to it and we'll see you next time. All right. Peace out. Thanks for listening to the show. That was the Mile High Five podcast and I'm Doug Cunnington the balder host and carl jensen is the cool sexy one if you dig the show please do three things for us number one tell a friend a family member an enemy about the show we really don't care who you tell maybe forward them a specific show that you know that they will like it's the single most helpful thing that you could do to spread the word it's like giving us a virtual high five and uh, actually we don't give high fives in in person so the virtual kind's pretty good and more importantly your friend or family member or even your enemy will appreciate the fact that you were thinking of them. Number two, make sure you're following or subscribed on your podcast app, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, YouTube, whatever you're using, and that way you won't miss a show. And number three, please leave us a rating and review. We read them on the show occasionally, and you might hear yours out there on an upcoming episode. Quick disclaimer. This show is not financial or legal advice. I'd actually be surprised if it sounded like it. It's really just for entertainment, and that's at least what we're hoping for. But seriously, get advice from professionals. Carl and I are just two guys with microphones that sit in my basement and talk. So we'll catch y'all next week. kind of work do you do well i do project management for a technology company so i'm a senior project manager Uh, it's a financial and accounting software and so it's companies that are growing need to get off like quickbooks or Peachtree or some one of those really easy accounting softwares and so they come to us because we can do much more robust robust reporting uh help them with financials planning for the future which those are more just like look back type software um and so we my job is that new logo. So people who come into our company uh, need to be put onto our software. And okay. so me and my team do that. So you like manage the migration? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Got it. And then how did you get into project management? 
Well, at the end of university, I had no idea what to apply for. Like people are applying to Deloitte for consulting and things like that. And I didn't know what I didn't know what to do. It was a little self-sabotage there as well. And I had a teacher who I loved. She actually reached out to me and said this job, it was a project manager position for uh, my old company, uh, would be perfect for you. Like all my soft skills, all the things. And so I was like, great. This is the one job I'm going to apply for after college. Um, And I got it. And um, yeah, it turns out I'm really good at it. So like, it's just, it literally suits every skill I've learned from traveling the world, talking to people. um, Yeah. Managing things, people, life. Cool. And funny enough, that's what I did. Yeah. And I accidentally did project management. Similar. I, didn't get a job like directly out of school. So it took like a few weeks. Most people were recruited like the previous fall or yes, whatever. I know. The really good people. And then I, kind of weird, I, I lean on this maybe too much. I went to Georgia Tech, which is an engineering school, pretty good one. And the grades are lower than the other state schools. Mm. So by by a pretty decent margin, or at least it was like 25 fucking years ago, right? Yeah. But like the grades are just lower. Yeah. So like to make Dean's List is like pretty impressive, but like at other schools, it may not be that impressive. If you just show up to class, like kind of do your work, like you're probably going to be all right. Yeah. Not all schools are like that, but my GPA was fine, but it was not high enough for like, most companies that were recruiting and hiring and making those offers. So anyway, I ended up at a consulting company and then they kind of shuffle you around. Did you end up doing any other jobs like, uh, you know, testing or like business requirements or, or any kind of business analyst? Did you do anything else or just PM? Work? No, just PM. I actually had no interest in doing any consultant roles and got it. Yep. Okay. So I did a bunch of different roles and I had like a, software background. So I did a bunch of different stuff and then eventually got into PM work, which it was mostly fine. It sounds like you're doing stuff that's a little bit different, Mm -hmm. but I was doing, it was like software updates for the company's software for like backend billing software. So it was like three releases per three or four releases per year. Yep. And it kind of sucked. Yeah. We have a team that does that. Okay. Yeah. We have four releases per year. Yeah. Yeah. It was probably exciting for like a year or two, but then after a while, it's like the same stuff over and over again. Everything's like last minute. Yeah. They're always, the scope's too big for every release. And you're like, yeah. didn't yeah. we learn last time? And yeah. no you're not going to get it done. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. For me, thankfully, my job is repetitive in the sense it's like the same type of outline, but every customer is different. Every data is different. The consultants you work with, like the pairing of the consultants, we only have like maybe six consultants, but everyone has their own personalities you need to manage and motivate. So yeah, I love what I do. Yeah, that's cool. And I never would have said like, I loved (laughs) what I was doing, but I did get my PMP and I do keep that active just because it's such a pain in the ass to get it. So have you... Are you interested in doing that or is that still something anyone cares about? I haven't had to. And from my understanding, most tech companies now at this point don't really even screen for that. So if if I can avoid it, I will avoid it forever. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like it's it's a ton of work to get that. Yeah, it's a lot of work. Yeah. And I got it in like 2008. So yeah, it's not too bad to like keep it up. Yeah, I would keep uh, it up if I had it. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. I just don't want to put all the paperwork to get it. Yeah, it kind of sucks. Yeah. 